Carrie, why don't you pray for us? Father God, I just <clears throat> thank you for this morning, Lord. And Father, we thank you that uh, Jen is here with us and what a treat it is to have her. And as we've already prayed for her and Brian this morning, Lord, I just lift them up again. And as this is a big week for them, Lord, and uh, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity just to have her with us, Lord. And as they come together in their marriage on Friday, we just present them to you, God, and we just love them, and uh, we love how they love you, and just pray, Father, that um, you would just bring everything together for them this week, Lord, and um, Father, that they would just have an awesome week of preparing for their wedding, and that they would just honor you in everything, Lord, and that you would give them um, rest and wisdom and um, just order and just peace and joy and all of the things, Lord, that are just abundant in you. Father, I thank you for those that are couldn't be with us this morning for whatever reason, and that you would uh, let them know that we love them, and for those that are still on their way, Lord, that you would protect them, God, and as we just go into a time of worshiping you, Father, with um, music, Lord, that um, it would just be a time, Father, that we would focus, um, we would shut out the rest of the world, and we would allow our hearts to be open and be ministered to God, and Father, that we would receive and that you would receive from us, God. And then as we come and worship you in word, Lord, and that, um, Father, that our hearts would be open for just encouragement and conviction. And, Father, that we would take away whatever it is that you would have for us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
take me to the cross. Hallelujah. Father, take us to the cross tonight, Jesus. It's at the cross, Lord, that we receive healing. God, it's at the cross we receive mercy and grace. We give you thanks tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. Behold the Lamb who sits upon the throne, rules and reigns victorious.
glorified. Yes, Jesus, be glorified tonight. Be glorified in our lives, Father. You alone are worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Come on, church, let's offer up our praises to him tonight. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is King of kings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be glorified, Jesus.
Feel your love within me. 
Father, that you brought us together, God, to be encouraged through your word this day. And I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear, God, that we would be attentive, Father, as you lead us through this day. We keep our eyes set upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, your head there. Next week we'll be getting back for sure, back into Mark chapter 10. But I want to finish what I started last Sunday, and I kind of want to just lay out kind of where this came from and how kind of the Lord has worked these scriptures within me to kind of share with you all. I was really challenged last Saturday night um, when Carrie and Norma and I went to the beach, and I shared this with you all. Last Sunday. So we head to the beach and we're sitting there and we're relaxing. And then a group of people began to set up behind us drums and different instruments. And as the night was progressing, the more people were coming and sitting behind us. And I couldn't really figure out what they were doing. I shared with you before, this is the beach I used to live at. So I know there's different groups that go there. Um... They could be Christian, they could be non-Christian. There's just that beach is used by multiple different people and different groups to worship. So as we finally talked amongst each other and figured out um, that they were actually a pagan group there to worship the moon. 
that was derived last Saturday. It's the flower moon. And, and their belief is that they worship in this season as a, a season of renewal, as a season of health, as new beginnings. So they were actually waiting for the moon to appear in the sky. And so then as we were trying to figure out where the moon was to appear and how, when it was to rise, Carrie was able to Google and find that it actually was to rise at this specific time and at this specific, what do you call it, um, coordinates. And as soon as that specific time appeared, the moon appeared in the sky. Well, their worship just began to intensify. My heart was so broken. I said, oh God, they are putting their hope in the created. And they don't even know the creator. They're celebrating this moon. They're celebrating the season of hope to be renewed, restored, and almost like a rebirth for them. And I'm like, God have mercy. And my heart was just so broken for them that as I came home and I was just laying in bed and I was thinking, they were no, I was once there with them. These are the things that I used to believe in before I came to Christ. I had my hope and my purpose was found in the temporalness of, of life and to the created things instead of the creator. And so then as I began to reflect on this worship of, of just um, of temporalness, I began to really think upon how God calls us, how God speaks to us. And that's kind of where I started last Sunday with us, is that God is speaking. Are we listening and are we responding? There's a lot of people who are listening they hear truth over and over and over. Rather, they're sitting in church, or rather, you know, they hear it on the internet, or the radios, or TVs, or whatever. The truth of God's word is going forth throughout the earth. But are we not just listening? How are we responding to that? To his truth. It's our response to the truth in which we hear of, about God. Does it bring forth a genuine worship for all that he has done and all that he has accomplished? We've talked a lot lately, a lot and a lot lately, about his love. That his love was displayed through the cross. That no greater love will ever be displayed to mankind. And we talked of how the cross was purposed so that creation would know of such great love. Such great love displayed. When you really think about it, or at least when I really think about it, I go, how can a man who is in complete rebellion towards God respond to him in a way of laying my life down. Now think of yourself. How could created beings who, who are created and, and, and they're born in sin and complete rebellion towards God end up finding their place at His feet surrendered to Him? Not forced, but because of such great love displayed to 
You see, I've shared with you before, all my life I was told God hated me. I was told that I was an abomination to God. And so just as much as I was growing up, I began to hate God just as much as He hated me. At least that was my thought. You hate me, I hate you. But yet when His love was revealed to me, I couldn't help but humble myself. Gabby, stop spinning the chair for me, baby. Couldn't help but humble myself to his great love. Wow. You love me? Like he loves us, you all. And in that love, we don't try to strip him of, of who he is so that his love could be Evident to everyone. No, in his love, we've talked over and over that in his love, we, under, we have an understanding of his wrath. The wrath of God. That you can't just speak of his wrath without his love, and you can't speak of his love without his wrath. They go hand in hand, because that's who he is. And so last week we looked through Scripture, and we spent a lot of times, in, a lot of time in the Old Testament. Well, the majority of the time, and how God kept speaking to His people, reminding them of who He was, His great love for them, and He kept telling them. Remember, through the prophets, we were in Isaiah and we were in Jeremiah, and He kept telling them, you're showing up for church, basically. You're showing up to the temple. You're going through the motions, and yet you don't really mean what you're saying to me. It's amazing. I don't know if y'all have gone back and looked at these scriptures. I mean, they were even in the process of, of repenting. They were, oh God, you know, for, we're sorry. But they weren't really sorry. They were not truly repentant. Their worship was not sincere. And then God even said to them, a prostitute can learn from you. You've given yourself to everything and everyone. And for what? For what? And do you remember? I thought it was interesting. Do you remember when the prophet was speaking to them? The word of God. And, and he was telling them, this is what you did. And he began to list all the charges against them. And do you remember how the people responded? We didn't do that. That was their response. We didn't do that. And then you remember what the prophet said? Oh, you didn't? Just look at your valleys. And basically, I told you last week, it's basically like saying to us, then look at your life. Look at the idols that you've erected in your life that you're worshiping, and you're, not, and you're giving your worship unto them and not to God. How can that be? You're God's people. You're identifying with Him, and yet you're not living for Him. Woe to you! Woe to you! His wrath is coming to you. And do you remember what their response to that was? Just a few verses ahead, they were saying, we didn't do it that way. We're not doing that. And now all of a sudden, when reality hits them, do you remember what their plea was? 
We can't help ourselves. We love doing these things. Basically, it's who we are. They weren't even repentant. Now they're making excuses for how they're choosing to live. Now they have an excuse. We can't help ourselves. It is just who we are. How sad. How sad. And God said that he would lead them into captivity. That the nations and the idols in which his people had given themselves to, they will master them. They will enslave them. And as we were talking on Wednesday night, it's no different to what Romans 1 talks about. That God gives mankind over to the depravity of their mind. That's what you want? Then have it. Let it master you. Let it be your God. And remember we even saw last week, God told tells his people, why are you calling out to me? Why are you asking me for help? Have your gods help you. Have those and these idols in which you've put your trust in be that which helps you. See, he's, he's calling, he's speaking. Are we listening and are we responding? We ended last week in John where John was giving testimony of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the one who came to take away the sins of the world. Jesus, you all. Jesus. Purposed. The cross was purposed even before the earth was formed. Love was to be displayed in hopes that mankind, the created being, would respond to its creator. No greater love that would draw a man or draw a woman to himself and you surrendered your life. You surrender your life. Like you look at the temporal things and these idols that you cling to, and you say, what value is in this? Why am I finding my worth in the temporalness of life that's just fading away? And I encourage this. That doesn't mean that you can't have relationships. It doesn't mean you can't have possessions. It's just that your relationships and your possessions shouldn't have you. You shouldn't be finding your worth in relationships and in possessions. Because all of that can fade. If you're finding your worth in, in relationships, that person can drop dead at any moment. If you're finding your worth in your possessions, that can be stripped away from you in a second. And then where are you left? Empty. Lost, lonely, wounded. Oh, it's only Christ. And in fullness of relationship with Him that you are to find your worth and to find your value. It is only in Christ that you can find the hope of, of salvation. It is only in Christ that you can find the hope that is of eternal. And your life is changing. When you, when you come to Christ, when you accept Him as Lord and Savior, we have talked about it, but, and we've heard about it, but how are we responding to the truth of you being born again? 
no longer identifying with the old nature because we've recognized that those desires have been nailed to the cross and we've crucified them there. That old rebellious way of living. That we know our interest in the world is no longer and we loved it when we saw it in Scripture says and the world's interest in us is no longer. You see, we are to be Christians. We are to be responding to God daily throughout our lives. And again, not living a perfect life. The call is not to be perfect, but the call is to grow up. The call is to mature in your knowledge of Christ. So that your life is bearing witness to others who are enslaved. Giving them the hope that there is freedom from the temporalness of life. From the human condition. Of rebellion. See, as a Christian, you have been given this beautiful, beautiful relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Nothing of yourself, but because of Christ. He gave Himself for you. So that then you will give yourself to others. To bear witness of such great love. Such great love. And I shared with you last week what God has been reminding me over these few months is to not lose sight that the love of many is growing cold. That generations upon generations, and until the day of his return, it's going to grow darker out there. The level of perversion, the level of violence, the level of just self is going to grow at a rapid pace. But the church isn't supposed to be discouraged. The church isn't supposed to be overwhelmed. No, the church should be burning bright. We're to be out there among them, letting them know that there is hope in Christ. I say, wow. Are we preparing the church? Are we preparing and equipping the church? Each one of us, if we're calling ourselves a Christian, are we encouraging, are we discipling, are we building up each other to be able to stand against the generations that are coming? The love of many are going to grow cold. Things are going to get worse. And if the church doesn't know her identity, if she can't stand in this hour, how is she going to stand in that hour? That's why it's vital that we as the church continue to encourage ourselves that we're growing in our walk with Christ. And that's where we pick up today in Matthew. He is speaking. Are we listening? And how are we responding? So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 through 14, sin will be rampant everywhere talking about the end times sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So are we not to get discouraged by what we see going on out there? No, what we see going on out there 
should encourage us to know that there's work to be done. Because the Bible says the gospel is to be preached. Yet though the love of many is growing cold, yet though sin is running rampant, the gospel will be preached. Throughout the earth. Throughout the earth. The hope that's in Christ and in Christ alone. That we are his people. And not people to just hold a form of religion. Oh, we show up. But no, a genuine relationship with God. Established in him through Christ. Because that's the position of a believer. We are in Christ. There's work to be done. Our response is to trust and obey. To go forth each and every single day. No matter what's pressing up against us. To continue to bear witness of such great love. Go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. Verse 3 and 4. suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers do not get tied up to the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. See, we're not to go back and get tied up with the ways of this world. We're not to fall away from faith. We're not to be you know, enticed by the Gospels, the false ones that are being presented to the church. A few Fridays ago, I spoke out of Second Peter, and Peter was encouraging them and reminding them, careful, these false teachers are going to present themselves to the church. They're going to sit down at your tables of fellowship, and they're going to present these Gospels that are not the Gospel at all careful not to get tangled up. And remember what he said, many will fall away. How is that encouraging, Peter? How is that encouraging to the church? How is it not encouraging? Stand fast, hold true to the gospel which was presented to you that you received. And don't be swayed by everything else that comes in to present itself as truth and it's not truth at all. So endure suffering. Soldiers do not get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then, they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. You have to go back. You have to turn away. Remember we talked about when Paul had to write to the church in Galatia. Who's, who has bewitched you? Who, who, who has come in and pervert, perverted the truth? The gospel in which you think you're following is not the gospel at all. Because this gospel is giving you the right to yourself. And that is not what Christ came for. 
careful then how we live. Is your worship true? Is your life representing the fullness of one who hears God speaking and is responding to it? A life of obedience. Go to Acts chapter 17. Verse 19. So here's Paul in the city of Athens. And Athens was a city where, you know, the philosophies of life, a lot of different worship was going on. And now Paul shows up in the city and he's presenting the gospel. So then, in verse 19, they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Ah, listen to this. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, To an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. From one man, He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand that when I'm sorry, he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God, and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now, He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to Him. For He has set a day, set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he approved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Huh. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. I love verse 34 here, the first part of it. But some joined him and became believers. Not everybody, but some. Some heard the truth 
and responded to it. And they believed. They believed. And we've talked about it before. As you think, so you go. Your belief, your faith in Christ Jesus, your Lord, should be defining you. It should be maturing you. You should be growing in it. I challenged us, and I'll continue to challenge us. How can we continue to call ourselves Christian and not grow more and more like Christ? These people who gathered with their idols and their drums and they were waiting for the moon, their belief defined them, and they could care less what others thought. They were going to receive what they believed. <laughs> they poured themselves out. Tambourines are going, dancing, lighting incense and everything else. All for the moon in this new season in which they believed that they had a renewal in their life. God help us. God help us with our belief. If we're saying we are Christians, then that's whom we should be identifying with. Jesus. In a day and age when even major denominations and the church is struggling on what to do with sin. when they're gathering councils and, and they're trying to figure out how are we to be more popular in this world? Through accepting sin. The church needs to awaken to the understanding that the church will never be accepted by the world. Never. And Jesus himself even understands this because he says the road is narrow. Not many people are going to come to faith in him. But he still came. He still came. We saw in 2 Peter 2. When we were encouraged to remain steadfast in our hope of his return. Even though others will mock us and laugh at us. Oh, I thought you said Jesus was coming. Oh, he's coming. Oh, but what's taking him so long? And then we learn what is taking him so long because of his mercy. His desire is that none should perish, but all would come to salvation. But there is a day where his hands let go and his wrath hits the earth. And then those who have refused him will face him full on with his wrath. But those who have received him will not experience his wrath because his wrath was already dealt with through Christ our Lord on the cross. You see, the hope that we have in you all, the eternal hope that we have in Christ, listen to how Paul spoke to these men in this city. Some believed. Others mocked. How are we responding? Go to Acts chapter 19.
verse 8. Now Paul's in another city, Ephesus. The letter, Ephesians, that Paul wrote to the church, it's this church here. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall. The Bible says this went on. Look for how long? For two years. For two years. He preached boldly. He argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. And look what it says here in verse 11. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. These people weren't believers, but yet they were trying to utilize the power which Christ gives. The Bible says seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirits replied. Here we see evil replying. I know Jesus, and I know Paul. But who are you? And the evil spirit replied, as we've seen throughout the gospel, they know Jesus. They know Paul. But who are you? Who are you trying to exert authority that you don't have? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. When this story, the Bible says, began to spread throughout all of Ephesus, look what happened. People responded. A solemn fear in verse 17 descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers, look what happened. Many became believers, they confessed their sinful practices, a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Verse 20 says, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. People responded, they just didn't listen, they responded Lives began to change. They repented. They turned from their rebellion and they walked and now began walking in obedience. Oh, but those who did not respond, they weren't happy with what was taking place. Because of this response, because of people giving their lives to Jesus, 
their lives begin to change. So the things in which they used to purchase, they weren't purchasing anymore. And it was affecting the people's profit because now what they were selling was of no use. And so a riot begins in Ephesus. Verses 23 through 41, a riot begins. At that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. And that's what they used to call Christians back in those days. It was the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had large business manufacturing silver, silver, silver shines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. And when he addresses them, he's addressing them, and then he begins to manipulate them because now he's going to point it towards this idol that they worship, this goddess that they worship. And it stirred up the people that the people then responded. And they dragged in Paul's companions. Finally, a leader in the city had to stand up and address the crowds and dismiss them. See, people are going to respond one way or another to truth. Either they will submit their lives to Christ or they will be even more rebellious towards it. How are we responding? Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for spiritual wisdom for the church. Verse 15 through 23. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He calls called His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all these things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over things for the benefit of the church. And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I didn't get these scriptures. Chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. This prayer for spiritual wisdom for God's people. We're sitting here today, you all. What are you hearing? How are you responding to what you're hearing? This prayer for spiritual wisdom. 
this prayer for insight, this prayer for growth and maturing in your knowledge of God, this prayer for those who have submitted themselves to Christ, that they would continue to grow and to mature and respond in such a way that would honor Him. Go to Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 10. Listen to this understanding that He gives. You see, God is speaking. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, look at this, you all, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by, by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He's planned for us to do. Made alive with Christ, you all. Like how many times are we hearing, are we responding to this understanding of this new birth, of this new way of life, of a way in which God calls us to live. And not only does He calls us to it, He equips us to live it. We're without excuse. How are we responding to the call? How are we responding each day as we're going through our life? How are we responding in love to Him and to others? How are we responding in growing and maturing, seeking Him? Ephesians 4. No, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. Another prayer that Paul prays for spiritual growth. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, look at what he prays for us. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you, look at this promise, strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, How wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. 
may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This prayer for spiritual growth. This prayer that you would experience the fullness of the love of God in and through Christ Jesus. And yet Jesus gets a bad rap. And yet mankind keeps trying to strip Jesus of really of his identity, of his lordship. We don't need to pervert his love for people to come to know him. No, we just need to be a reflection of His love. We've talked about it and we'll continue to talk about it. Yes, Jesus hung out with sinners, but He did not become like them. We, as the church, are not called just to pull ourselves out of the world and hide from the world and damn the world. No, we're to be of the world and in it living among them, letting them see your light shine, letting them see the reflection of Christ in you, letting them see God does equip His people to live in the generation in obedience unto Him. Who are we afraid of? What are we we hiding from? There's work to be done. We're to be out there serving others, loving others, encouraging others. To come to the fullness of understanding God's love for them. He loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The love of God displayed. Oh, that we would come to know the fullness of His love. The majority of us sitting here were in His Word, if not once, or twice, or three times a week. Hopefully, it's daily. Hopefully, you've begun a life of discipline, if you would, in in your day-to-day life, longing to have devotion with Him, meditating on His Word, growing. But let's just say, if we don't, you are still given His Word at least three times a week, then how are you responding to it? Do you love Him? That was the question last week. I mean, I just put everything aside. Do you love God? That's the question of the hour. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. To love the Lord your God. The very essence of who you are. And you would come to know that that's how He loves you. He loves you. 
essence of everything about him. He's pursued you. He has revealed himself to you time and time and time and time and time again. And he will continue to reveal himself to you until you take your last breath. And then it's up to you. It's not up to him. It's up to you. Did you abide in him? Did you remain in him? Did you receive the fullness of his love? And did you truly lay your life down? Did you truly become an expression of his love? Or did you remain in rebellion towards him? Not loving him. You're not enough, God. I'm not satisfied with you. I'm going to continue to live my way. Do how I want to do, because it's all I know to do. You see, how can a man, and I'll just speak of myself, you can speak of your own self, but how can a man who hated God, who rebelled against him, come to a place where I would bow my knees and lay my life down before him because of such great love. How could I not respond? How could you not respond? Such great love. Prayer for spiritual growth. How do we grow? Learn of his love for you. It'll draw you to him. And again, don't 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 pervert his love. <laughs> don't pervert it in the essence of giving yourself to continue the right to live in a rebellious way towards him, oh, because he understands me. Oh, he does understand your rebellious ways. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus laid his life down. Don't twist truth and don't get led astray by all the weird teachings that come into the church. No, his love <coughs> compels you to lay your life down to be an expression of love back to him. Such great love compels you to mature and to grow as a believer. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Again, he's speaking. How are we Listening and in listening, how are we responding? Because in verse 17 here, it says, With the Lord's authority, I say this. Not with man's authority, but with God's authority. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. So, how do we understand that today? Live no longer as the unbelievers do. People who are in the world. They don't know God. They have a right to live however they want. They don't know God. They're going to pursue these desires that are within them. They're going to identify with anything and everything. They don't know God. But you, who call yourself Christians, who are among God's people, live no longer like them. For they are hopelessly confused. 
Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the light God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Remember, He's talking to the church. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, that the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So then we hear all of this. How do we respond? So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior instead. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How do we respond in a way that honors Christ? How do we respond in a way that honors Him? We're not to continue to live out of this old nature, out of this nature of rebellion towards Him. And we've talked about this verse here before. Look at this. Don't lie anymore. Stop stealing. Stop using foul and abusive language. Start serving others, basically. Start loving. Start being an expression of love. Because listen, if people knew you as a thief, and now all of a sudden you've stopped stealing, and not only have you stopped stealing, you start giving, people will be like amazed. Like, what has happened to you? She used to be a thief. And now look, she's working hard. And not only is she working hard, look, she's giving the others. What's happened to you? Ah, it's Jesus. It's the love of God. How can I not respond? If people are used to seeing you with just vulgar blips and mouth and horrible words, and you're just full of strife and division and anger, and then all of a sudden you give your life to Jesus, and all of a sudden you start maturing, now all of a sudden you're not vulgar anymore. You don't have the, the abusive language and nothing, your whole attitude and disposition has changed. People are going to look at you. What has happened to your life? Look how kind you are. Every time Jen opens up her mouth, it's, it's, it's encouraging. But she used to curse like a sailor. <laughs> Not that she ever did, but just using that as an example. But people would take notice. Your life is different. What happened? 
it's good to go to courses and teachings, and you've heard me say this, go for a week worth of uh, evangelism training. That's all great, and that's all fine. It sharpens you, it builds you up, that's great. But don't wait to attend all of that to begin speaking and sharing through how you live. Because the first thing people are going to notice is not your words, but your life. You're different. You're different. There's something different about you. You're not living like you used to live. There's something different about you. And all you can say is, it's not me. It's him. It's the one in whom I've placed my trust in. It's the one who showed me himself through such great love. And as he did for me, he could do for you. Some will hear it and respond. Others will laugh at you and mock at you. They won't understand. Because their minds and their hearts have been hardened. They are in rebellion towards God. So it shouldn't upset you that they don't accept what God has done into your life. Just pray for them. You once were like them before you came to Christ. How are we responding? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, you're right there. <laughs> Verse 1 through 20. So then, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled, look at this, with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such in, sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, that there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, in the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. So don't be fooled, look at this, by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't be fooled by those who are sitting among you or calling themselves Christians, but they are excusing their sinful behavior in front of you. Look at this, what the Word of God says. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't practice in the things these people do. <coughs> Remind yourselves, look at this, for once you were fat, full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Be speaking. Are you listening? And are you responding? Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And look at this, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A way in which we are to live, to be the light in these evil days. Responding with genuine love unto the Lord and for others. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. So, a final word Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will stand. I'm sorry, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Stand firm, you all. Don't cave in. Don't, don't go back to the rebellious ways. Understand that which is warring against you. But know this, as we've talked about it, and as we've talked about it in length here, the weapon will be forged against you, but it shall not prosper. He gives us that which we need in order to endure the times in which we live. How are we responding? Go to Philippians. I've got two more and then we're done. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3 through 5. So again, how are we to be living? How are we to be responding? Well, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others too. And you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How are we to live? How are we to respond as he's, as he's speaking to you? And as He's speaking to us? We're to live as Christ lived. And you've heard us mention it here. We've talked about it. We encourage each other in it. Are you serving others? It's a mark of maturing as a Christian. You desire to serve others. To think of others before you think of yourself. It's vital for the Christian walk. To get beyond just being so consumed with your everyday life and neglecting others around you. But to truly live a life that's impacting the lives of others around you. 
and go to First Peter. Chapter 4, verse 2 through 5. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of these evil of, of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. And look what this says here. So you're going to put off that. You're going to, you're going to have, have, have enough of that. You're not living that way any longer. You're living in a newness of life. And look what it says about your former friends. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So that is why, I'm moving on to verse 6, the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So, so although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Listen, people are going to mock you for your Christian life. Even people who you are close with. They're not going to understand this transformation that has taken place, but that shouldn't hinder God's transformation in your life. Continue to press in, you all. Continue to hear and to respond. And then the last one, go to Jude. Verse 17 through 23. How are we to respond? Respond as God is calling? Would you remain faithful? Our worship shouldn't be of idols. Our worship shouldn't just be vain and just of, 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 no, of no worth. Your life is an expression of the life of Christ and we are to remain faithful. So, but my friends, or but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus said. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They're in the church. These aren't the people out in the world. These are people who are in the church, pretending to be Christians, and yet living lives unlike Christ. They will be causing division. <clears throat> These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe, look at this, in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to... to to still others, 
but do, I'm sorry, show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. A call to remain faithful. Your response to God as He's speaking in this day and in the days to come. Encourage yourselves, you all, in your faith. And if you're not of faith, If you've never accepted Jesus, then I'm not sure what you're waiting for. If you have accepted Him, but you've wandered off, I'm not sure what you're doing over there. No, we are to abide in Christ. We are to give ourselves to Him as He's given Himself to us. And so, I want to close with this prayer, and then I'm going to... um, well, let me pass this out first. This isn't the prayer. This is something I just want us to, to close with before we go into our last song of worship. So, but before we look at this, I want you to hear this, this prayer. This prayer is from Colossians 1, verse 9 through 14 and Jude, verse 24 and 25. And this is what I was praying for us this morning. I will not stop praying for you. I ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your life will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I also pray that you will be strengthened with all of His glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father, for He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and has transformed you into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased your freedom and forgave your sins. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to Him who alone is God, your Savior through Jesus Christ your Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time and in the present and beyond all time. That's my prayer for us. That our worship and our response to Him would be empty. That it would actually mean something. That we actually believe in whom we say that we believe in. And that we would live it out expressively so that others would come into the light. So the Apostles' Creed, the statement of, of, of belief, if you would, is how I would like to end it. Take a look at this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. 
He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. A statement of faith, a belief. And it should transform your life. Because time and time again, throughout the New Testament, Jesus himself said, the only way to come through God is through him. And in coming through him to God, you were born again. Of a new nature. Of a new nature. And we ought to be excited about the victory that is found in Christ. The freedom that is found in Christ. And we should not be living lives, as we read in that scripture earlier, that grieves the Holy Spirit. You see, what he came and accomplished has made a way for us to live in such a way that will honor Him. See, this new life, this newness of life is not dependent upon you doing it. But it is dependent on you surrendering to Him to do in and through you. Amen? I'm going to close with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer.
Take the call. 